It's a blessing to have you tuning into Soul Talks with Bill and Christy Galtier. We speak the unspoken feelings that aren't normally talked about. We offer empathy and turn to God in prayer. All of us especially need emotional and spiritual help in our families, churches, and friendships because it's in these relationships that we're most likely to experience hurtful conflicts. So we're doing a series with lead pastor couple Ken and Susan Baugh on repairing torn hearts and relationships. It's easy to subscribe to Soul Talks using the podcast app on your phone or by going to iTunes. We love having you in our community. Friends, welcome back to our series on repairing torn hearts and relationships. Christy and I are with our good friends Ken and Susan Baugh, leaders of the Institute for Discipleship Training, and Ken is also a consultant to Saddleback Community Church here in Southern California, working with pastors and leaders. And Susan, you're involved with that, helping pastors' wives. Yes, mm-hmm. I am. And so thanks for continuing the conversation here in this uh, last episode of our series, we're going to be talking about through a dark valley with your spouse, and especially want to hear more of your story, Susan, as you know, being a pastor's wife and how uh, it was for you to be alongside Ken uh, in the the church conflict that that happened is the whole process and the pain of that. Thank you, Bill and Christy. It's a delight to be here. Yeah, I just I'm is. just celebrating today of where where God has us and who he is. Yeah, say more about that. It really is a time to just be thankful to God, to be able to have perspective now, to look back on this whole process. It's been almost two and a half years. Mm, He is so faithful. I have such a deeper sense of his presence never leaving me. I just, through this dark time, I knew he was with me and would never leave me. His promises just became so true. And I'm just filled with gratitude. For this truth, internalizing more, kind of from the head to the heart. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I think for me too, the internalizing has been a big part. I don't know how many sermons over the years I've preached that God will provide for you, that God will take care of you, that God will defend you. And I believed all those things, mm-hmm. but when it came, but this situation forced me into this posture of, but will God do that for me? Is God going to take care of my family? So it became personal very fast. To just really experience that sense of God's loving kindness and mm. his tenderness, it's present for you. Yes. I thought it was interesting that I felt a verse, a passage that God was inviting me to memorize when we were kind of forced into a sabbatical. As we were driving off, heading to Utah, it was uh, Philippians 4, or 8 through probably 12. And it's an interesting, rejoice in the Lord. Mm. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, mm. but in everything, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I mean, that just over and over and over, I just meditated on that. Mm. And how did you do that? Because you weren't feeling like, as you were driving off to Utah, you weren't feeling like, oh, yippee, Ken and I get to be on sabbatical. This is a time of rest and refreshment. You're like reeling from what's going on and feeling like you're, you're been disciplined. And so you're not feeling joyful. You're not feeling peaceful. But I, I know you well enough to know that you're not thinking that, that God or the Bible is saying, oh, you know, don't feel sad. Don't feel scared. Don't feel anxious. Just be happy. You're receiving God's presence and his empathy and his drawing you into another life. 
Yes, he is. <laughs> but not alone. Mm -hmm. You know, I have my companion for 31 years. You just celebrated your anniversary yesterday. Yes. Congratulations. Thank you. And what a journey. What an adventure. And I think, you know, going on the sabbatical, we just, we're going to set aside, this is a time for us to draw closer to one another and to the Lord. And we didn't, some grieving, but we also wanted to just have a posture of, where are you leading this Lord? You know, because we didn't know if we were going back to Coast Hills at this point. Mm -hmm. And we just wanted to have open hands and willing hearts to whatever he was leading us to. Susan, I'd like to hear a little bit more from you and, and your perspective in this journey, because you know I often talk to pastor's wives and pastor's children, too, who see their father or their husband so mistreated or judged or not appreciated or just hurt in ways that hurt them because they love their husband or their father. And they feel such a position of powerlessness. You know, they're not really in a place where they can do anything about what's being done to their beloved here. And certainly that's a position you were in too. Very true. That's a good question, Christy. But once again, I, I just had to go before the Lord with questions I had, hurts, resentment, bitterness, and just ask for a tender heart. I don't know, keep my eyes on Jesus. You spend a lot of time journaling and again, just memorizing scripture, really disciplining yourself to take those natural thoughts of fear of the unknown and what have you captive to Christ. I mean, that's something that I saw, I watched you do constantly. And you have a ability to be very contemplative and you really lean into that. And I think that discipline, if you will, served you well in this process. And it gives you a different lens. You know, when you have those things coming against you, you're looking through the lens of scripture, I think you see it differently. Well, Susan, you'd really trained for this trial because when we hit a trial, we don't really know what's going to come out of us, but your training had really prepared you for this. You'd trained in trusting God. You'd trained in memorizing scripture. You'd trained in community, loving community, working through forgiveness process, working through anger and hurt and grief over things that had happened to you earlier in life. And then you continued those tools that you learned in your training, those spiritual disciplines, Ken, like you were saying. I remember you would text me a link to a, a Bethel worship song on YouTube, mm -hmm. and you'd say, this is really ministering to me right now. Yes. Or on your trip on the sabbatical, you would text me a picture of beauty. And that was a way I saw you living out that responsiveness to Philippians 4 that you were memorizing on a rejoicing in the Lord. Well, you were doing it right there. Oh, I see him right here in the beauty of creation. Me that. Oh. What are you feeling with those memories? Sweet. Just the hand of God holding me. Mm -hmm. And truly, worship was a saving grace. You know, you didn't know if it was going to be a good day, a bad day. I just chose that it's going to be a day of grace mm. every day. Mm. And so much of that was... You can ask any of my friends, I'm always sending the songs, but Bethel, just their music just spoke right to my heart. And, and you can just, I remember when Kelly first sent me the song, We Will Not Be Shaken. And we hadn't owned a CD up to that point. And now we have every, just thank you, Lord, for their ministry as well. Just getting caught up in a, a community of, of grace and love through worship. Yes. We've got people singing to the Lord from their hearts. We've got... The angels joining in. Once again, the rejoicing. The other thing I think you were a real model of is praying for your husband and for the elders and the church and all of this, 
and really believing and trusting that that was powerful, that that was the most powerful way you could be participating in redemption, reconciliation, Mm -hmm. growth, healing, hope, all of that was through praying into it. You didn't try to control things. You didn't try to make Ken do things. You didn't say like, can you really need to go and apologize? Or can you need, you know, you didn't try to control things. Mm-hmm. And same thing, I mean, you know, you were hurting for Ken, you were hurting mm-hmm. for yourself, your own loss, your friends' loss who were expressing their grief, your daughters who were hurt by this. Mm-hmm. This, was, this was their church, their community, where they served, where they went on missions trips. You know, I mean, there was just so many facets to loss and hurt, and you were not reacting with anger and trying to get vengeance or not acting with trying to control things or trying to secure your husband's job or any of that. You didn't take things into your own hands. Well, that does remind me of the overwhelming feelings in that season. But yeah, I, it was clearly out of my control. One of the uh, biblical characters that I have watched influence you over the years is Joseph. And you mentioned him in our last podcast, but there's something from Joseph's life and his experiences and watching how God walked with him through those things that has, was a real source of strength for you. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so his influence in your life, even before you were a believer, was, it was catalytic to you give, coming to Christ. Yes. But even in this situation, it was through Joseph that you were able to experience the reality of God's presence in a maybe more personal way. Well, what did Joseph say to his brothers? In the end. What you meant for evil, God meant for good. And I just held to that. That's an amazing promise. You've lived it out and experienced it. Yeah, and it's interesting if you think about that, that even if a person doesn't intend something for evil, the enemy always does. That's right. And so he can even use something that we didn't intend for evil Mm -hmm. as to be evil. I don't attribute ill motive to the elders or the executive team that, you know, facilitated this process. But the enemy wanted to use it for evil. He mm-hmm. wanted to destroy us with that. And it was by God's grace and his strength through preparation that we weren't even aware God was going to use to give us resiliency in this situation. Uh, but again, that just is a testimony to his goodness and how he brings about good out of some of the things that you just can't possibly imagine could ever produce anything good. That's really good what you said. I didn't assign ill, you know, intention to the elders. You knew that you were not warring against flesh and blood, but that we war against principalities and evil powers and forces of the enemy and of darkness. And that's so important in church conflicts or in conflicts with, with others to remember that. Because as soon as we make them our enemy, then we're really not participating with God's love. And so I love that you were able to recognize that. And Susan, I saw you do that too. And you didn't, Even though initially I reacted that Yeah, way. of course. It's natural. Yeah. Initially you, yes. you were angry and you had judgments and we all can relate to that. I also remember you, you asking me, why, Christy, why are they doing this? I remember you just saying, why, why would they, why would they be doing this? And, and that question, that cry coming from, it doesn't make sense, I'm so confused, you know, but, but part of that question coming from, I, I know that they're good too, people too that are sincere in their love for the Lord too. I know they don't really mean to be hurting us, but what, why, you know, and, and that question of confusion. Yeah, and it's so interesting to me how even if you don't intend to do something, it can still have the same result. So 
you can back over somebody out of your driveway and then, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. I didn't see you. I'm sorry. Yes. I'm sorry. Well, that's great. You didn't see me and didn't do it on purpose, but you still ran over me. Mm-hmm. So even though that intention is not there, the pain is still very real. That's right. And you have to work through that pain. You can't just, oh, they didn't mean it, so it doesn't matter. No, they didn't mean it in that way, but it does matter. Mm-hmm. And so you have to work through that. And that you can only do in relationship. You can't work through that by yourself. Yeah. And so what your story just gives us uh, a lot of inspiration and encouragement in m- many ways, but something that I'm particularly appreciating is uh, Susan just really understanding better how you were carrying so much of the hurt and the stress, what your husband is going through. And as Christy mentioned, you know, your, your daughters and other people in your life, you know, people in the church and so forth. And especially as a woman who, who's sensitive, who who's, has empathy for others, who is quieter and, and observes and, and takes things in, when we love somebody and they're hurting or they go through a, a bad time. I mean, we feel it, don't we? Yes, deeply. But I'm once again, I'm just so grateful for close, sacred companions who listen to my hurts, my fears, and just held them. See, this uh, Paul says, carry each other's burdens, and this way you fulfill the law of Christ. And so you were doing that for Ken, and of course, Ken, you're doing that for Susan too, and he's back and forth there. But then now you have friends that do that for you also. And then as you shared in the last podcast, in terms of your building up of community with this group in the church that you were discipling, and then when the crisis hit, you stayed in community. And uh, Ken, you were sharing with us how you you led through through vulnerability and caring for them and letting your story be a part of that process. And so, you know, there's something about letting people care for us even as leaders, of course, there's a fine line there that we need to remember that, you know, when you know, I'm the pastor, I'm the parent, I'm the leader, I need to be considerate of well, how is my self-disclosure going to affect this person and not do a role reversal on them. And you were watching those things. But there's, there is a place as leaders, to, you know, well, we're going through a crisis. We need prayer. This is what we feel. And, and let your tears come out and give them the gift of supporting you. And so, I mean, you're still walking with these people. Two and a half years later, and you know some of these people, multiple years that you've been doing life together and following Jesus together, and I know many of these people, they say how they are so much closer to Jesus, and, and their discipleship to the Lord mm-hmm. is so much stronger, and their lives are so much more fruitful because mm-hmm. of how you have journeyed with them. And a lot of times, growing up in, in the church, you know, being committed Bible-believing Christians, we might not appreciate how significant our emotions and stress points and, and hurts and shortcomings and faults, all the stuff that makes up me, including this <laughs> hidden part that's not so positive and flattering, that's part of discipleship. And so the two of you really live that out with your community, and now that's become central to, even more central than it was in your ministry with the Discipleship Training Institute, that th- this is what you're, you're all about, is emotionally healthy discipleship to the Lord and helping people integrate these streams of biblical Christianity and um, emotional honesty and even the body and neurology and bringing all this together for a, a whole life transformation. Yeah. And not only have we done that from an intellectual standpoint, as I've said, but now it's an experiential standpoint so that we really have, God has let this situation be a way for us to live out and experience with integrity the things that we know to be true. And 
I don't know how you get to that point until you go through the fire or you go through the dark valley. How can you ever know that God is all you need until he's all you've got? How can you ever know that God is going to provide until if he doesn't provide, you're in deep trouble? And God does that provision, not usually from a burning bush or not from manna from heaven, as directly as we may have seen before, but he does it through people. And so we have seen his provision through our community in unbelievable ways, certainly prayer and support and love, but their generosity in practical things that have given us the opportunity to heal and to live at a pace that has been conducive to repair and restoration. That I, that, that's probably been one of the greatest gifts that we've experienced. And as you were just describing this as a, a gift, talking about the, the crisis and the, the pain and the conflict and the injustice and the meltdown and all, all this fracture and tearing and how it's been a gift to you now, two and a half years later, I just felt a chill inside. I had a flashback just emotionally back to long ago conversations. I mean, it feels like long ago now. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, whoa, because all this growth and inner healing and transformation in you. And it's like, wow, I'm just remembering back when that would have just seemed like an impossible fantasy to you back then. And it's like, wow, God is good. All the time. I don't know how else to say it. Yeah. He is good. And he has given us an opportunity to experience that in a very personal and deep way. I mean, I've walked with the Lord for 40 years, and this has been the most painful situation of my entire life. Certainly in our 27 years of ministry, that this is the most pain we've ever experienced in ministry. And, you know, ministry is ripe with pain. It's just part of the reality of what God has called us to. And I recognize that I've inflicted pain on others, not intentionally, but still, uh, like I said before, I could have done some things differently. I could handle myself differently that could have potentially led to a different process, probably not a different outcome. Because ultimately, I think, like I agree with Susan, God had something else for us that he wanted us to do. But because of my own issues or fear or what have you, I would not have stepped out on my own. I needed the mama eagle to push me out of the nest because I'm not an ambitious person in that regard where I'm always looking for the next biggest thing, the next new thing. And so to a fault, that can be to a fault, but God has become so real that it's, even as I'm just saying those words right now, it's like, well, duh, but no, he has become so real in places of my heart that I'm not sure we're ever truly open to that. And so much of that ability to open those places up came as a result of community, of relationship, of many, many hours with you, Bill, and experiencing empathy and compassion and understanding and not being judged or criticized because those are the things that were so wounding Mm -hmm. in the process. Again, not trying to attribute blame or intent, but still the reality of the situation. And so... When you come to this place after walking with God for 40 years, where you experience him in these profound ways, it, you just will never be the same again. I just know that that's true. I never will be the same again. Well, all of you who are listening, thanks for joining us as we've been talking about repairing torn hearts and relationships in this four-week series. And today, through a dark valley with your spouse, talking with Ken and Susan Baugh, 
from the Institute for Discipleship Training. And if you haven't watched the video on this whole story of church conflict and reconciliation, you need to watch it. It's an hour, and you, you will be on the edge of your seats. It's called Reconciling a Pastor and Elder Board, and it's the story of Ken Baugh's emotional healing process through the, the church conflict with the leaders and how the uh, elders at Coast Hills, uh, with Matt Kern, the co-chair of the Elder Board, involved themselves in a reconciliation process with Ken. It was mutual. Both sides uh, apologizing, uh, empathizing, taking responsibility, and then bringing it to the church so that the church can, can really start uh, fresh uh, with a healing. And this is what we all long for in our families and in our churches, that we can be honest and, and that we can work through when we have conflicts. And I often say to people that uh, what makes a family dysfunctional in the, the most um, painful and destructive sense is not so much conflict or even sin. It's when we don't repair those things. And so really the key to being a family that is more, more healthy, uh, more uh, functional, is that when we've said something hurtful or uh, done something harmful, that we would say, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but that we would, we would empathize. We'd listen. How did that feel for you? It's never too late to go back, whether it's a day, a month, or 10 years, to go back and say, you know, this such such happened. I wonder, how did that affect you? What were your emotions? Uh, I want to listen and understand. And that's repair. That's emotional repair. And that's the way of the Lord. And that's, that's what it means to be Christ's ambassador, ministering the, the reconciliation and friendship of God. And so Ken and Susan, we are all, just speaking on behalf of all of our listeners, we are so grateful to you for your sharing your story with us and, and uh, this experiment that we've done here on Soul Talks the last Thank four weeks. Thank you so much, Bill and Christy, for having us. Thank you for being in our lives. We are so grateful for your ministry, and we love you. Yeah, and I can just testify that this works. <laughs> and the ministry that you guys have to pastors and their wives who are in crisis, and even preventative, is so available and is so helpful, and I'm just... You know, I am personally, Bill, just so grateful for your friendship and for your counsel and your love and support. And Christy, you as well. You guys have been such mm-hmm. a blessing to us. Thank yeah, you. You're welcome. Ken, I wonder if you uh, could close us in a prayer and just we'll just think about the person out there who maybe has some conflict in their life and needs some repair. Or maybe their spouse is going through a dark valley and they're in it with them. Yeah, let's do that. Lord, I'm reminded of your words that in this life you will have tribulation. And uh, none of us are strangers to conflict, regardless of the relationships we find ourselves in. And yet, Lord, it's how we respond in those situations that is indicative of the work you are doing in us. And I pray that Mm -hmm. you would enable us, Lord, to love as you love us, Mm -hmm. and that you would give us that supernatural capacity to have compassion on those who have hurt us, to really put ourselves in their situation, to look at the conflict as a way of just through new eyes, Lord, and that as a result of that, you would bring clarity, you would bring reconciliation, restoration, and healing. Uh, Lord, all of those things you, you direct. And I pray that for us, as well as all of those listening, that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts open to what you have for us even in the dark times. Mm -hmm. Because Lord, you are always there, even if we don't see you. And we are so thankful for that. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 
Many of you tell us that having friends listen to Soul Talks helps deepen your relationships and strengthen your love for the Lord. It's exciting to see our Soul Talks community growing. We've had over 40,000 listens in our first year. It's easy to use the share button on your podcast app or iTunes to pass on Soul Talks to your friends. Also, all of our podcast episodes are on soulshepherding.org, so you can paste the link into an email. We love hearing your comments and questions. You can connect with us on our website, on social media, or by replying to our weekly Soul Shepherding devotional email.